I think just having that perseverance and persistence to understand that the lows are never as low as they seem and the highs are never as high as they seem. When things are going great, something bad's about to happen. When things are going bad, something good's about to happen. It's really all about your mindset. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Johnny Lazarus, content creator, podcast host, and on-air NHL analyst. Johnny Lazarus is a happy-go-lucky guy that is passionate about growing the game of hockey and making it more fun for everyone. He currently does a ton of different things around the game. Johnny, at his core, is a content creator who is passionate about the sport of hockey and has mashed these two passions together to make a name for himself. During the 2022 NHL season, the playoffs, and after Vegas won the Cup, he has become an instrumental component for the NHL Network's coverage. His name also may be familiar because of the content he has created for the Bleacher Report. You may have seen Skating a Lap with an NHL player. I would highly suggest you take a look as it is very entertaining, provides insights to these great athletes, and has a great deal of humor mixed in too. Johnny is expanding his content creation and impacting the game of hockey in a positive way, which is what he set out to do. I have personally enjoyed following him, and my boys have too. Listen in for some great takeaways about taking your passions and creating a rewarding career out of it while also facing adversity and rising to the occasion. Well, hello, everybody. I have the pleasure of being here today with Johnny Lazarus, content creator, podcast host, and on-air NHL analyst. Thank you so much for joining us today, Johnny. Larry, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, and I promise I will be on my best behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that. I do enjoy you when you're not on your best behavior on other (laughs) shows, but we'll try to keep it on the best behavior on this show. So (laughs) listen, I've been following you for a while. I love what you're doing, and I want to give our listeners an idea of who you are and kind of the 10,000-foot view of where you were and what brought you here to where you are today. So can you share that so they have an idea of who Johnny Lazarus is? It's definitely not a long story short. There's kind of a lot of pieces to it. My elevator pitch is like a five-minute elevator if you're stuck. It's probably the worst kind of vibe. But essentially, I'm a kid from Long Island. I grew up in Syosset, born and bred, lived there until my senior high school. And then I decided to chase the dream and try to play Division One college hockey. And I moved to Wichita Falls, Texas, played in the North American League. I've been in love with hockey my entire life. And It's all I ever wanted to do. Once my playing days had somewhat of an end to them in the near sight, I had to figure out a way to transition and find out any way I can to get to the NHL because that was like my lifelong dream. So I kind of got lucky where COVID kind of got in the way. And that's the reason why I hung my skates up. But it allowed me to pursue this other passion of media, which I found in college. So I didn't go to school to like be in media. It's something that kind of just came organically to me. 
I actually, I think you'll appreciate this. I played in the Maccabee games the summer of my freshman year of college. And the coach of the Maccabee games handed me a Powerade bottle and said, interview the guys on the team. And that's really where I got this interviewing thing started. I never knew I was like good at it. Greg Gardner was like, we think you'd be funny. Like we'll do like a little Facebook series for the two weeks that we're here. And that's kind of where I got started in like my interviewing, I guess, whole process. So long story short, I'll try to do it. I'm a kid who loves hockey and that's all I ever wanted to do with my life. And I'm lucky that I had really supportive parents and a sister that always told me to chase my dreams. And that's really how I'm here. And there's obviously a lot of luck along the way and a lot of things that have to go my way to be here. But I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later as we go on here. Yeah, well, listen, I'm going to have to keep you in mind because I have had the opportunity on several occasions to play with the Israeli national team and in times where we're looking for extra skaters when the Israeli guys can't come over. So I'll have to keep you in mind. I had the pleasure of meeting the Pulley family, who's very involved with the Maccabi Games, who I'm sure you remember from that whole experience, right? Ben was on my team, actually. Ben was. Okay. Yeah. So so Ben and I played together, I think, two or three times for the Israeli national team over the last like six or seven years. We haven't done anything since the pandemic, but we've been in talks and I've been trying to conjole them to get a fundraiser together. You never know. You never know. You recently shared that your family, and I think this is important to kind of give an indication of who you are, that your family endured a house fire that literally cost you guys everything. Could you share, because I think this is amazing, the first item that you bought after that fire and why? Because you guys lost everything in that fire, I I believe. Yeah. I mean, we were able to go in the house like at 3.30 a.m. when everything was finally put out and like kind of grab whatever we could. And the first thing I bought after that fire is you're looking at it right in front of you. So there's this microphone and obviously there's a lot to figure out when that happens. And the next day, it happened mid-April. So it was April 14th of 2022. And I've been doing my Rangers podcast and I didn't want to lose the momentum on the show because the Rangers were playing really well and the playoffs were right around the corner. So the one thing I said I had to keep doing was my podcast. So I went to the Guitar Center. I mean, also lucky enough, like we had a lot of family and friends create a GoFundMe and donate some money. First of all, the hockey community, I, I got to start over the hockey community because the Ranger community actually shared the GoFundMe like all over Ranger Twitter and people I don't even know were like donating money. And it was something that like when your house burns down, obviously you lose a lot. And not to sound super cheesy, our family felt like we gained so much because in that time we were all going through our own like little difficult issues. Like my parents were struggling a bit financially and whatnot. And not that they're in a great place right now, but there were so many things. My sister was trying to have a baby and, and I was looking for a new job. And this kind of allowed us to like bond over something, if that makes sense. And you look at it a year and a few months later, and my career has obviously gone to a great place. My sister has a beautiful baby boy and my parents are obviously figuring out things with the house still, but they've kind of bonded over this as well. Like They needed to have something to kind of bring them together a little bit. I think they had gotten a little bit comfortable in their situation. And when we look back on it, obviously it's a stressful time, but it's done so much good for us. And I think the people in our lives too, you really kind of see who's there for you whenever you need it. And that's not just saying people who donate money. That's people that my best friend's mom came to our house at midnight and watched it happened with us. Like they were just there for us. And the next day we felt like we were kind of hosting a Shiva call and it was like people just coming to give us clothes or give us anything. And there was something like beautiful in it a little bit. No one got hurt. There were seven houses involved. None of the families got hurt. So that's a plus, obviously. But I might have gotten a little off topic. But yes, the first thing I did buy 
after that was this microphone. And I obviously was just in a turning point of my career where I was gaining momentum with the show and I didn't want to lose that. So this was the first thing I bought and I kept going with the podcast. I told the story on the first episode, like two days later, once I had a place to record and figure out what I was going to do going forward. And I don't think you understand what you've lost until like something comes up in conversation. It's like, oh, I wish I had that sweatshirt still or like things that just don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but they're part of your upbringing and your childhood and stuff, but just stuff. I think it kind of described it perfectly like a shiva call. There was a lot of loss involved there. And for our listeners that may not know what that is, a shiva call in Judaism when you lose a person close to you or a family member and you go pay a visit to that family. So I think it's probably very similar to that. I agree with you. I think the hockey community, it's a community I've been involved with for a long time, is great very supportive. And I think that the Ranger community and fan base is unbelievably supportive. So it's good to hear that others have that same experience that I've had over the years. So let's fast forward, right? You had this fire at the end of 2022. And then the last year in the NHL has been unbelievable for you. So what has the last year in the NHL meant to you? And what is the most memorable moment that you have from the last season oh man that's tough because there have been a few i know i'm gonna put you on the spot though there's got to be one above all the rest i'm sure there's definitely been a few but i think for me this nhl season just as a whole was not necessarily like a coming out party for me but definitely one where people that i didn't know knew me which was cool and kind of hard to grasp like walking around the garden and have people people don't even like introduce themselves they just say yo what's up johnny i follow you on twitter and i'm just like cool what's your name (laughs) it's such a funny thing because the last two years I've been, I love Twitter. Like it's my favorite thing. I'm not joining threads. I'm loyal to Twitter. (laughs) I interact with these people like every day and probably 80% of them. I don't know and don't even know their name or their face. And to have those people that like support me and like message me, like, do we love your stuff or whatever? Like that is so cool for me. I think what I pride myself on is anyone who like is in my corner. Like I try to look out for them. Anyone who follows me and supports my stuff, like if you ever need anything, like reach out to me and I'm more than happy to help you with whatever that might be. This season, I think just kind of felt like parlaying opportunity after opportunity. I was lucky to have the chance to do those open skates with Bleacher Report. That's something that was so unique and so cool. I got to skate with Miko Rantanen and Charlie Coyle, Charlie McAvoy at the Winter Classic, Jake Gensel. That was very funny, by the way. I really enjoyed the Charlie McAvoy one. (laughs) So he's a good friend of mine. It's funny. That one, we actually have to do two takes because Nick Felino's kid was like skating around with McAvoy in the first one. And we didn't know if we could like use his kid for it or whatever. So we had to like redo it, but it was great. And Charlie's the best. We kind of grew up playing together because he's from Long Beach, Long Island. We trained together when we both played with the New Jersey Rockets. So that was really cool to do one with Charlie. And also that's been super cool too. Like if we're talking hockey players around our area, like I grew up with Adam Fox. Adam and I have been friends since we're like, probably 10 years old and whatnot. Not super close, but close enough. The first time I was in the Rangers locker room as a media member and like seeing Adam, that was super cool because Adam, like everyone's kind of very serious in the scrum. And then Adam like saw me and gave me like a high five and was like, what's up? Like, and I told him I'd be down there. I didn't know how he'd react if he would be like super professional, which he was, but also like made it known that like we're friends and it was cool for me. But yeah, as far as the moment that sticks out though, it's, I'm sure you heard the story because I've talked about it on like every show I've been on the last like three weeks, but hanging out with Jack Eichel tonight, the Golden Knights won the cup was by far the 
most surreal experience I think I've ever had just because to have a player who is an NHL superstar was in his first postseason had so many stories about him just like getting over the hump and being that guy and the fact that he was the guy for this team and we sat with him just me and like five other people till 6 a.m in a bar talking about the true genuine grind of the playoffs and like no one's recording no one's gonna tell any stories it's just genuine conversation and that was like something I'll never forget and it was the night of the cup in Vegas like I've never been to Vegas in my life till that moment. So it was like, Oh, is that right? That, that was your first, that was your yeah, first. I probably never go back, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> it won't be the same. Yeah, no. that's, that was awesome. Yeah. I was so happy for him. I mean, as somebody who is a fan of the game and as somebody who's played and kids play, I'm a fan of the players too. And the fact that Buffalo wouldn't let him treat his injury the way he wanted to and was treating him like a pawn, really. And to go to Vegas and then allow him to do what he wanted to do, it was so rewarding to watch him be rewarded for that when all said and done, because I think he really deserved it for really sticking to his guns and doing what he thought was best for him and his body, which was great. And I can only imagine what that experience was in the moment. I got to ask you, did you see the two guys at the Stanley Cup final when they won the cup? that were along the glass that were wearing the Israeli national jerseys. <laughs> yeah, I actually, when I got on the ice, I walked to them and gave them like a thumbs up. And, and I don't know if they even, they probably didn't know who I was, but like I respected that and I appreciated that. That was really cool. Yeah, it was pretty funny because they were all over some of the media pictures that were going out with them hoisting up the cup. And then you see the two Israeli national guys in the background. So it was pretty funny. We need like some sort of gang sign that I could have done to show that I'm Jewish also. There you go. There you go. Listen, during Stanley Cup on ice postgame interview, I think it was in 2022, you got a shout out from Kale McCarr. What was it like to be able to shout him back in Vegas when you were there? What was that like? So I got to give all the credit in the world to Julie Stewart Banks for that one. We worked together on the third period live show last season and... She was covering the Stanley Cup final and she did an awesome job and she had good rapport with Kale because I told her that Kale and I played a semester in college together at UMass. And I think she spoke to Kale about me like in the media day. So before the series had started and I didn't even know she was doing that. She sent me the video like after it happened. I was like, no way, get out of here. Like, that's so sick. Kale obviously said like, and he was put on the spot, but I actually was surprised he threw out this good of a chirp because he's not much of a trash talker. But Kale was like, what's up, Laz? Wish you could be here. Probably couldn't afford it. But, uh, you know, whatever. And I was like, obviously, I couldn't afford it at the time. So I wouldn't have been there. But this year, obviously, I took the opportunity on the ice to get back at him and say, so I should have said, like, wish you could have made it here. I didn't want to chirp him back because I kind of got too scared. But I just said, sup, Kale. A year later, I'm on the ice. Wish you were here, that kind of thing. But that was super cool. And that's something I pride myself in, too, right? Like you talking about how you love the players. And, and I love the players. And I know Kale. And I know how cool he is. And I want people to be able to see that and see that Kale is a guy who can talk trash every now and then and have fun. He's not just this like super serious pro that he might come across in media. Like he is a normal kid just like us. He just happens to be really, really good at hockey. That was super cool. And I know all the UMass guys love that one. You didn't play with his brother also, did you? Because I think his brother's up there now, right? You were out of there before. Yeah, no, I didn't play with him, but I've called a couple of his games. So I do color commentary a little bit for college. I did five UMass games this past year. So I got to call Taylor's games. He's a good player, too. Like He will definitely have a future plan pro. Yeah, my older son used to play with a long time ago, Ryan Ufko, who's a UMass. Oh, nasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another good Long that Island uh, player. 
Yeah, good player. So my boys would kill me. I know you kind of alluded to it, but I, I think we need a little bit more because they would kill me if I didn't ask, what was it like to party in Vegas after the cup? I mean, you talked about your time with Eichel, but I mean, I'm sure it was a little bit more than just that. I mean, what was that experience like? I'm not much of a clubber, but I had to go out to the club. That night. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you had to. Like, I am more of that like dive bar, live music. Give me a beer and a table and friends, and I'm happy. But I'm not much of the mm, 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 like that's not me. But I met this guy Robbie who runs like the towel group in Vegas at Game Five. We have a mutual friend. My friend Jeff Kotcher said, "Text Robbie, ask him where the cup's going. He'll hook you up." So I texted Robbie like in the second period when Vegas was up like four to one. He actually came up and met with me, and we watched like the rest of the game together. And sent me a text like Omnia 1 a.m. Be there. The couple be there. I'll hook you up. Bring whoever you want. So I show up with like seven dudes, not one girl. Worst possible <laughs> ratio to bring to a club in Vegas, right? And I text Robbie. I'm at the front. Robbie walks over, gives me like a little slip and says, just bring that inside. Everything else is taken care of. And sure enough, we walked inside. Didn't have like a table set up. So I mean, do you want the full story? Like, I, you know, I could give you the full thing. I don't know. If, yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay, so I walk in with my buddies who do the Empty Netters podcast, and then my friend Chris Jastrzemski, who is the researcher for TNT. Was I with anyone else? It's kind of a blur now. Yeah, that might have been it. So we're kind of in there for like 45 minutes, and like the cup's not there yet, and we don't have a table, so we're kind of standing there like, are we sure it's coming here? Like Robbie said. <laughs> He's going to be here at one. It's already like one thirty. Like, should we stay here? And next thing you know, we like look over and we see like Biz, Henrik Lundqvist, Kevin Connolly, Ryan Whitney, all those guys at a table right next to Steve Aoki on the stage. So Jazz, who works with Biz, was like, let me go over and talk to Biz. We'll figure it out. Jazz walks over. Two seconds later, Biz looks at us, waves us over. We then go into their table. And now we're like, all right, we're staying here. So we're in the table for like maybe 10 minutes. Then the cup strolls in and then the night just starts to take off. And I didn't get to touch the cup or drink from the cup, but like all the guys were coming right in front of me, like standing on the stage, lifting it to the whole crowd. Like it was so cool to just like be that close to the celebration. And there's obviously a little superstition in me where I wouldn't have drank from it or <laughs> touched it because I'm not doing that until Jacob Truba does. But right. yeah, I mean, being in the club at the Stanley Cup in Las Vegas, like my first time there. Like I said, I could just never go back because it won't be the same. That story reminds me, I was talking to, this was many years ago, Bill Guerin, when he was living on Long Island and with the Islanders. And he was telling me a story when he won the cup with Pittsburgh that night when they went out, the bar that they went to closed down. As they were leaving, they couldn't get car service. They couldn't get a car. They couldn't get a taxi. He actually took the cup on a public bus in order to get home. It was a ghost town. There was nobody around that early in the morning, I guess. He's like, you wouldn't believe it. We're on a public bus with the Stanley Cup in the middle of Pittsburgh. And it was crazy. But that's what it's all about. Mike Rupp actually on our podcast today, he said, like, if I won the Stanley Cup in New York, I would just bring it outside. Yeah, he said. Obviously, that would go over very, very poorly, I imagine, with New Yorkers (laughs) knowing what they do. But yeah, I think that'd be super cool. That's what it's all about, sharing with the fans, you know. Well, you'd have a lot of New Yorkers who wouldn't even know what it is, unfortunately. And then, (laughs) like, what's going on here? And then the real fans, they'll be all over it, like white on rice, I'm sure. If it was a Larry O'Brien trophy, there'd probably be a little bit more trouble. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. So let's shift gears for a minute because you're a hockey player. We talk a lot about hockey because it's something I'm very passionate about. I grew up playing. I'm now in it with and gone through it with both my boys. And we talk a lot. We've had a lot of people talk about the sport, the path, how it's different. And I think student athletes in general are different students, right? Because they're also athletes. And I think they look at things different. And I think hockey is even a little bit more different than your normal athlete that's a student as well. What advice do you have for student athletes that are out there that are playing a sport, getting an education and looking to go to the next level or just life in general? What advice do you have for them? So the biggest thing for me would be find something to do with your free time. Don't just say like it's college, it's the best four years of my life. And like when you have free time before practice, after practice, just lay around on the couch all day. Like take advantage of what is around you. I was in the student athlete advisory committee when I transferred to Mercyhurst because I just wanted to like meet people and try to make the most of my time there. I obviously I was a transfer student, so it was a little bit harder just to make friends outside of the hockey team because most people go in as freshmen and you're kind of there together like as you come up through college. And I just wanted to meet other people outside the hockey team because at UMass, I had a lot of friends outside the hockey team. But Mercyhurst is a much smaller school. It was like 4,000 students where UMass was like 30. So I wanted to do something outside of hockey. And joining that club was huge. And that led to an internship for me my senior year with the Erie Otters. So I got to like learn a lot about just working in the game of hockey outside of playing it and outside of being a student. So I think for me, it's making the most of your free time. And I know a lot of people are guilty of just being lazy in college when you have that free time. Because listen, you are exhausted from playing and practicing and doing homework and all the exams and the traveling. It's a lot. But you also want to be able to set yourself up for after college. And my parents stressed that to me and how important like networking really is. So I think the advice I would give is to literally just make the most of your free time. Don't just be happy with lounging around. You never know what can come from a conversation. It's funny. I actually, at the draft in Nashville, I ran into Aaron Cooney, who was the manager of like the whole entire media department for the Otters. He was the first person to like give me an internship. And he actually allowed me to do a talk show with the Otters at the time, which was really cool. That was like where I got my official start in like interviewing hockey players. And he now works for the LA Kings and he's in their PR department. So that was really cool because you never know where these people are going to end up also, right? So to have that connection is also incredible. And I'll tell you the best thing I heard. This is from Brandon Kaminsky, who owns his own social media company, like agency. It's called Be Known. He used to do social media for Stephen A. Smith and Woj at ESPN and like help them with their videos and their content and whatnot. But Brandon told me, everyone loves to talk about how it's not what you know, it's who you know in life, right? Like That's what everyone loves to say. But he told me, it's not about who you know. It's about who knows you. So you need to make sure you're making an impression on people because this is how I got my job at Bleach Report because someone called Fresh Tape Media and they asked if they know any up-and-coming hockey like personalities and they said my name. They knew me because I interviewed their co-founder or founder and I kept in touch with them. And, and it wasn't like a, hey, can you do me this favor kind of keep in touch? It was just like we hit it off as guys and if there was something I thought he found funny, I sent it to him and we just created an organic relationship. So I think that is so important in college that whatever you're interested in. It could be like a science club or like anything. If you just join that, you never know where those people can end up and you never know what friendships can be made. So I think that's really important just in general, not even just as a student athlete, but any relationship that you create. Yeah, I think those are great points. And let's translate this over to hockey now. What's something that hockey has taught you that you carry with you today? 
oh, I mean, there's never a hard day of work, that's for sure, because nothing is worse than doing like 10 bag skates on a Monday after a Saturday <laughs> night going out and getting drunk. So any day that I'm just sitting behind this microphone talking, it's never as tiring as practicing four or five days a week, being in the gym, traveling, all that stuff. So that's somewhat of a joke, but also serious. But joking aside, there's so many times where a coach tells you you're not good enough. You get cut from a team and all that stuff. And you just got to prove yourself, right? Like that's how it is. And the only way you fail is like really if you stop, right? Like I could have quit. I wanted to quit hockey when I was 19 years old. I wasn't playing in junior and I was living in Texas and I wasn't like the happiest with my, like I wasn't unhappy with my decision, but I'm seeing all my friends pledge fraternities and like have the best time in college. And I was living in Wichita Falls, Texas, like a place that I'd never even heard of. And I was going to the rink twice a day and I was getting scratched every night, sitting in the stands, watching the game in a suit. And I'm like, what am I doing? That's what challenges you. And that's where you see what you're made of, right? And not just as far as being a hockey player, but just mentally in general, like overcoming those challenges. And my coach that year happens to be one of the best guys in the world, John LaFontaine, the brother of Pat, who actually, funny enough, I saw John on the ice at the Stanley Cup. His daughter's married to Teddy Bluger. I had no idea. And we ran into each other on the ice celebrating the cup. So that was super cool for me. But I think just having that perseverance and persistence to understand that the lows are never as low as they seem and the highs are never as high as they seem. When things are going great, something bad's about to happen. When things are going bad, something good's about to happen. It's really all about your mindset. It's actually funny. I'll show you my phone background. It's a picture of the Stanley Cup and it says good, good thoughts, thoughts make good things happen. Yeah, great. I love it. I love that saying. And that goes as far as anything in life, right? Like the example I've once used was like, if you're going to your girlfriend's house and you don't like her family or something and you think it's going to be terrible, like just tell yourself it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. That's not personal. That was like another show I went on. That was the example we used. I'm single. Mm-hmm. but like i said that goes as far as anything in life if you wake up and you say to yourself we're gonna suck today you're already giving yourself a negative tone for the day great points great points and i think mindset is extremely important whether it be in hockey whether it be in any sport whether it be in business it's just as important so i gotta ask with all the new media personalities especially in hockey right who do you look up to in the hockey media space And it could be somebody seasoned. It doesn't have to be new. There's just been a lot of new ones, right, recently in the last couple of years, for sure. It's hard to like say there's one. And I knew this question was coming, and I really wanted to have a good answer for it. But actually hearing it out loud, it's tougher to really narrow it down. But I kind of want to say one outside of hockey, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. I happen to love Big Cat on part of my take. I think he is just the perfect balance between being a fan and being professional. And that's kind of what I try to be. But I also have that like player perspective as well because I played at a pretty high level. But to be able to just make everything about having fun first, like that is what he is about. That is what I'm about because sports don't have to be that serious. Like at the end of the day, it's all about having fun. Why does everyone watch sports? To take their mind off whatever's going on in their lives and to just sit down and enjoy a game for two and a half hours. Like that's why pretty much all of us watch it and for the storylines that it creates and all the magical moments and bringing cities together, bringing people together. But it all starts with fun because if you're not having fun, why the hell are you doing it? So Big Cat, I think, is the perfect person that does that. And I actually had the chance to meet him briefly at the Raleigh airport on my way home from Nashville. I actually sat with PFT from that same podcast for like an hour. He had a beer with me in the airport, which was awesome. We just like ran into each other and I introduced myself and we were both looking for a bar in the Raleigh airport and there was only one. So we ended up standing in line together and we had a beer together, which is really cool. But there's so many people in hockey media and just the names that stick out like Emily Kaplan, Paul Bissonette, Colby Armstrong, Mike Grinnell, 
Scotty Upshaw, Shane O'Brien, those guys. Like, there's just too many people to thank. Also, like, so many people have looked out for me. Another guy in media that I love is Alan Hahn. He's been somewhat of a mentor to me, and I'm a big Knicks fan. He's obviously on Get Up in the Morning for ESPN. He does a lot of Knicks coverage with MSG. There's just too many to name, and there's so many people that I've met that have looked out for me, and I hope I can look out for other people. But those ones, just right off the top of my head, that I've spent time with the last couple of weeks, those stand out a little bit more. Amazing. So one of the things that I like to talk about, one of our most listened to, if not the most listened to episodes, is our episode 105 with Mike Snee, who's the head of College Hockey Inc. And one of the things that makes that so listened and sought after is people who have kids who are going through the hockey journey, a lot of times don't understand what the journey is because it's so different than other sports and it has such a unique path. So from your perspective, as somebody who's gone through that and now is on the media side of things, what do you wish that young hockey players knew? Your eight-year-old, your seven-year-old, your 10-year-old self knew about the journey that would be helpful. It's funny you say that because I didn't really have anyone when I was going through it to give me advice. I didn't know many older guys that played Division One, And my parents, my dad played lacrosse growing up, so he didn't really know much about hockey. I mean, he like rooted for the Islanders, but he wasn't like such a hockey fan. My mom still like doesn't know anything about hockey. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Actually, half kidding. <laughs> and my path is different too because I went to summer camp till I was 16 years old. I did not touch my ice skates every summer till I was 16. And I came back. Which might have been a benefit, by the way. Yeah, but I was the worst kid at practice every team I've been on till I was 16 in the summer once the season started because I had not been playing ice hockey for seven weeks. But that was something that like, I think there's a lot of pressure on kids now to just be on the ice all the time. Like In my summer, I was at summer camp and I was playing basketball. I was playing roller hockey. I was playing softball. And most importantly, I was just with my friends that weren't hockey players. And I think that's something too that is so nice about, I guess, just my upbringing was that I wasn't always surrounded by hockey. I think it's so important for every kid and every person, even the professional athletes now to like have something that takes your mind off the game, anything. So what I would just recommend to kids now is like everyone's journey is different, right? Like I knew so many kids that were the best player at 12 to 15 that never even set foot on the ice in college. They were burnt out. Hockey was too much pressure for them and they couldn't handle it. And for me, being like the late bloomer, I think I was even hungrier just to catch the kids that were better than me when I was a kid. One of my best friends from high school, his name's Corey Off. I wouldn't say we were even competition growing up because he was a uh, tier one. I was tier two. Like I played double A, he played triple A. And I was always like, I just want to be as good as Corey. Like I just want to be as good as Corey. Like he is the sickest hockey player in our town. Like everyone knows how sick he is. Like he's committed to Cornell and he was an incredible player. And, and I was like motivated by that. I wanted to catch him. And for us to both play against each other in the North American League was such a special feeling. We both moved away from home and chased our dream when all of our friends, like I said, were in college. Going through that with him was really nice. But it wasn't someone like that I got advice from because we were both the same age going through it together. But yeah, I think the biggest thing would just be to have the balance because sometimes it just is a lot when you're only hanging out with hockey guys. It's a grind. Yeah, a lot of my best friends now are still the guys I played with, but it is also nice to have my core of like high school friends and summer camp friends and, and just people that are different walks of life. I agree. I think there's something to that. And everybody's journey is different. I look at like my boys and their paths. You know, my older son went through a path that led him to division one club hockey. And 
He's loving the experience, the college. And now my younger son, who knows where he's going to end up. He's on a different path. He's going to Division One hockey. And who knows what's going to happen. Where to? He's committed to Brown. Oh, no way. Yeah, he's committed to Brown 2026. He goes to Shattuck right now, and he's going into his senior year. So he's in the midst of that right now. His summer, he's 17, so he's got to be a little bit more focused in the offseason. But we're trying in between workouts and skating and staying on target. We joined a golf club so he could go play golf and disconnect three or four times a week. So that's his outlet, golfing and fishing. So I think you're right on. You have to be able to have those kind of outlets. Yeah. And tell him to hit me up because I have a couple of buddies who played at Brown that I hang out with in the city now. And I know a kid, Leo Schwartz is committed there. Oh, really? I know Leo. Maybe he's going to be a freshman there. I didn't realize I actually know his dad. Eddie. Yeah, Eddie. But I didn't think he yeah. was committed to Brown. I didn't realize that. I thought it was... Maybe he's not anymore. I don't know if he is yeah, anymore. But... Or else, because I know them too. Eddie played with us on the Israeli national team once. Yeah. So I've played a couple of men's leagues game with Eddie. So uh, that's right. the thing too, right? Whether your kid's playing D1 club or D1, we all end up in men's league someday. So I tell people all past <laughs> men's league. It's, it's just true. a matter of what level of men's league, right? So Johnny, it's been a pleasure having you on and we end every show. We talked a little bit about mindset. This is the Midland Money Mindset, but we also talk a lot about joy because whether it's a hockey journey or a life journey or a business journey, you got to get joy out of it. So what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I bought my brother-in-law lunch. <laughs> that made me happy. Okay. Just because... He's been buying me meals and stuff my entire life. And because he always said, like, you're just a college kid or whatever. And, and it was nice to return the favor for once and, and buy him a meal. I think that's something that is somewhat like selfishly rewarding because like you do it so you feel good, right? Like I did it because I felt good doing it. But I did go to the gym today. I woke up at seven, went to the gym, got a good treadmill incline walk in. That makes me happy always to sweat. But yeah, you know, today's a Monday, like... I just try to be outside. That makes me happy, just being outside. And it's a nice day today, so that's for sure. So yeah, I'm sweating in here. <laughs> yeah, Thank you for sharing that. Listen, we're going to have all your information in the show notes, of course, but if people want to learn more about Johnny Lazarus, want to learn more about your journey, want to follow you, what's the easiest and the best place for them to do that? I would say Twitter. I'm most active on Twitter. I'm probably an addict, honestly. It's becoming an issue. Yeah, that's at jlazzy 23 J-L-A-Z-Z-Y 23 on Twitter. I literally like post everything that I'm thinking on there. It's bad. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll encourage people to follow you, especially hockey people. It's, I will tell you personally, it's very entertaining. So you'll definitely enjoy it. And listen, I really appreciate you taking out the time and spending a little bit of time with us. And we're certainly looking forward to what's coming up in the 23-24 NHL season and watching what new adventures unfold for you and the Rangers too. Thanks again. I appreciate it and make it a great day. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. And I'm proud of myself. Not one curse. <laughs> there you go. I thank you for that. I'll be able to keep my family rating. So thank you so much. <laughs> appreciate it. I want to thank Johnny Lazarus for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. 
Johnny is a great example of taking what you love, in his case, content creation and the sport of hockey, and using them to drive you as an entrepreneur. His content is informative, entertaining, and helping grow the sport he loves. I highly recommend you take a look and follow what he is doing as there are some great lessons embedded in his work. Johnny Lazarus and his great content can be found across most social media platforms, especially Twitter, and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.